The Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by Brew Bar and Tuity Fitness. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. Because we learned it from you, Dad. Welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Rocky Edition. Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, your friend and mine, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Ready to give me a black eye. Tom Stewart, hello. What the hell are we waiting for? Take us! That's <laughs> so funny. It's my favorite part. Yeah, it's probably it. it's probably one of mine as well. I didn't even realize until this viewing that he says "take us" straight afterwards. <laughs> I had to rewind it like three times and then put on subtitles because <laughs> I just I I wanted to get I, I I was like, am I hearing that right? What's going on? Yeah. What what? I did, which I just think is you know, but Burgess Meredith. I'm not surprised that that the man who the Batman producers would bring in every time they had a hole in their season (laughs) is, you know, amazing in this movie. What I'm not... In all of them. In all of them. What I'm not surprised about, I'm not necessarily surprised about it, but just impressed, is that Stallone as a director catches all of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's not, there's not a mo- not a moment, a gesture, an action that Mickey does that he misses. And like you said, Correct. this is the right. second movie he directed, and his yeah. first big movie that he directed. Right. And for him to have that—that's a tall order. It's a very tall order. You you know, you've got a character actor who is doing so much amazing character work all the time. Like it's it, it's it's. It never ends. You know, it's verbal, mm-hmm. it's physical, it's with props, with with furniture, it's everywhere. And Stallone gets it all on camera. Yeah. Like, there, there's no... Like, he, he knows exactly when to put the camera on Mickey and exactly well, how long to leave it on Mickey. Yeah, between, you know, Rocky 2, 3, and 4, and then, which he directed all right. of them, and then seeing the filmmaker he'd become when he directs Rocky Balboa. Yeah. And one of my notes for this movie was that still, and we, I think we both know that he does, he, he's a painter as well. Well, he lets us know in, in, in no uncertain terms in Rocky Balboa that he's a painter. That's true. Although it's interesting, we'll talk about it then, that he passes so, it off to Paul. So yeah, because because Burt Young is a painter too. Though. Oh, I didn't know that. That I didn't know. I assumed he was just being a St- Stallone surrogate in that moment, but that's interesting. No, the things that he painted, he painted himself. Well, if if Rocky if Rocky Balboa could go up in my estimation, it just did, but I don't think it can. Yeah, <laughs> but do you know what Stallone did do for this movie? He wrote the novelization. Okay. <laughs> Including. That's a no prize writing... answer. 
everything in Rocky's voice as Rocky's voice, but then like a, in a first person narrative kind of way. But then when Rocky's not in the room, everything goes to third person and with proper English. <laughs> We've talked before about secret smart man. Oh, this is this is very secret smart guy. I think the the um I don't think it's a secret anymore. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> this guy is an artist. This guy's completely it, it, and totally it's an artist and in this movie that something I'd never noticed before that there is a there is a kind of a message of self-education and self-improvement that I never noticed before. He basically mm-hmm. teaches himself to read and write competently right. in the frame of this movie. I did not remember that I at did. all It in came this movie. as a huge surprise to me. Um, but it's, you know, it's like, it's interesting that, you know, his re- his reaction to his inability to do commercials is not to say, I can't do it. It's to learn the basic exactly. skills of that medium. And I think that is, I mean... That's a that really is a that really is life imitating art because that's Stallone down to a T, you know he as far as I know he's had no formal training in acting, writing, directing. He's learned how to do it through watching other people, through right. um through de- sheer determination, climbing the ladder by himself in his own way. And you get so many versions of that in what Rocky does as well. And that's why I think, you know, that's why that character is perfect for him and why it keeps feeling authentic. The character really is a a perfect surrogate. Yeah. And not too and a not too generous one as well. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, his character frequently makes mistakes. Yeah. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Rocky II, a 1979 film directed, as we now know, of course, by Sylvester Stallone. Tom, mm. he has not directed nearly as many films as I thought he had. What's the count? And nine. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty slim oeuvre. So he, he did direct... Paradise Alley, we have Rocky 2, 3, 4, and Rocky Balboa. We discussed Rambo, which he directed. Right, which is not the first Rambo, even even though Correct. it sounds like it. <laughs> Don't want to get uh, back into the, that can of worms again. <laughs> the first, or, or uh, we got The Expendables. Oh, interesting. I didn't know And then, look, can we talk about this? Staying Alive? The Outlier. <laughs> how, oh. how, did, how did Sylvester uh, Stallone... Get involved with staying alive. There were moments in there were moments in this. This is amazing. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think Rocky and Saturday Night Fever are, are, are more natural bedfellows than you might expect. So I'm not surprised at all that he did the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. And there are moments in this movie which push the feel good factor up so high it's basically a musical. Right. So I'm not at all surprised that he can lean into that genre. <laughs> Under those specific circumstances of a like again, a working class milieu that 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 musical characters come out of. Well, I saw Staying Alive when I was a kid, and the one thing I remember more than anything 
was was John Travolta running into a guy in the middle of the street in Manhattan. And it's Stallone, like, wearing glasses and a huge fur coat, if I remember correctly. That is completely correct, yeah. That's, uh... It's amazing. That's, uh... Beat that, Hitchcock. I, 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 I remember reading somewhere that, um... Travolta said that, like, Stallone was his favorite director to work with ever, maybe. Well... Again, and uh, that doesn't su- that should surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> anyway, I I just had to give a little shout out of love for Sylvester Stallone, who directed Staying Alive. I love that. So that what year was that? Was that eighty? He did that. Eighty three. Oh, so after Pretty Rocky sure. three. Correct. Oh, by that point, he's so he's so technically adept by that point. A musical is like kids play, I think. Yeah, but you got to admit, you don't think. And also, Rocky, you know, like a, you a said, sequel Rocky to Saturday Four, Night Live Four, that's taking place, place on Broadway, like you said, involving musicals. Stallone isn't your first thought. Well, it explains why Rocky Four is 30 percent music montages. Yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> this is this a movie he did between Rocky Three, which is also uh, heavy on the music montages. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rocky Two uh, has seventy-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. not the high watermark, but the second in the series. Rocky Balboa does take that prize. And had a budget of $7 million, an opening weekend of $6.3, million, $85.1 in the USA and the world. So, once again, smash hit. Yeah. And, you know, as we both kind of alluded to, rightly so. Yeah, I think... This is a good movie. Uh, th- yes, I don't think that's why the box office is so high. I think it would have. I think even if it was terrible, it, I, it would have. Even if it was yeah. awful, I probably would have. Yeah, you're but, right about uh, that. I'm sure that if people were to go back to it, they would have felt vindicated in spending the money. Mm-hmm. Well, as always, uh, we start this movie off with an impasse. Not as always, but uh, especially <laughs> having our last series be Planet of the Apes, and we're w- wondering out loud if. That series gave birth to all of our imbasses, but of course we start Rocky Two with the end of Rocky One. Yeah, that's the first thing I have too. Yep, let's get a good meaty chunk of that last movie. Good six minutes. A good six minutes. I get. But let me tell you this too. Like I think because all of these movies choose to that's it. re-edit those last moments, right? They're all a little bit shorter than they actually take in the actual movie. What he chooses to show us in this movie is really smart because both fighters, you know, Creed gets up and says, don't you stop this fight. Uh (laughs) And Rocky stands up and says, you stop this fight and I'll kill you. And it's like you need like you have all the information you need about the two men, the two characters right there. I completely agree. So what I said about this was obviously we're getting a sense now having done a few 70s movie series that this was pretty typical for the time to have so much of the last movie at the beginning of the first movie. Mm-hmm. This series makes a virtue of that as a trope 
It's the it's it's how all these movies, apart from Rocky Balboa, for obvious reasons, begin because right. there's no fighting in Rocky Five. Um, <laughs> Could you imagine if Rocky Balboa started with that street brawl? <laughs> just like you can just imagine, like the, the on on opening night, it's like where what's this mass migration from the theater? <laughs> At about the eight oh five. Yeah. Um, but also, like you, I thought it's also semi justified by recapping the central character tensions that will drive the rest of the movie, the rest of the story. Exactly. Uh, I also thought, and I don't know how smart this is. But I did appreciate the fact that unlike Beneath the Planet of the Apes, where they edit out anything that's inconvenient to the plot, they leave in Carl Weathers saying, there'll be no rematch. And then yeah. address the fact that he's that he's reversing his opinion. So to me, that's to me, that's good screenwriting, because rather than, you know, in Beneath the Planet of the Apes, they omit the part about trying Zero and Cornelius for heresy because it's not going to yeah. play it into the because it's just it's not going to work for what you wanted. Yeah, this is a huge plot inconvenience because you have to find ways to walk that back plausibly within the movie. They do, but but within the world of sports, it makes sense. And well, it and makes sense when with you Creed's just character. Absolutely, when you got the tar beat yeah. out of you, I mean. When you take a beating like you, these two boxers do at the end of the first Rocky, the last thing, it's like Daniel Craig at the end of Spectre. He's like, no, fuck, I don't want to do a single another yeah. movie. But, uh, it, but the but, movie, own, the movie when it, it recaps the footage, it doesn't omit that, and it would rather kind of address and own that story problem. Mm-hmm. And again, make a virtue of it. It leads to a more interesting movie. Because... yeah everyone is walking everyone is going against what you expect them to do um and well and you and once never you're fe- sitting and down apart from once or twice you never feel it's inorganic which mm-hmm. i mean that's good writing for me i agree but, completely and it's, but it's taking you know it's setting you it it's you know again pre-vhs era you could have you could have made people forget that that ever happened and act like there was always going to be a rematch. Right, because it would have been so easy to just take that dialogue yeah. out. But you know? I, Stallone's approach, at least at this point, is a little more a little more honest and rugged than that. It's like, okay, let's find a psychological reason and a story reason why this guy would change his mind. I think it's a fascinating thing about the series as a whole, how much... They both, it's, they kind of, there, there are certainly Halloween four moments, you know, the first time we hear Rocky shouldn't fight anymore is in this movie. Yes. You know what I mean? Well, as you said, they, you know, and then after this movie has eight title defenses, (laughs) loses, regains title from Clubber Lang. And then fights a Russian twice as tall as he is. I mean, you know, but 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 what's, what's. Yeah, carry on. I was just going to say, you know, every single movie, he is retired. Yes. He's done with boxing. And, but they, there are things that they choose to ignore. Yeah. But there are things he always, as a writer and director, remembers. That's true. And his right eye, I think, 
I even noticed in Rocky Balboa that there seems to be a little prosthetic <laughs> yes. makeup on that eye. You're right to point That's out. That's I mean, pretty that, impressive. That is one of the great inconsistencies of the series. Because this series does have a romantic side, it can fall back on a sort of uh, a utopianism. Mm-hmm. I always attribute it to that. Well, and also because like they're it's, they're they're it, it's the the it's because these movies are about it's, just, it's it's not forgetting as much as it is indulging in mm-hmm. fantasy that. Right. But, um... but also, because these movies are about the the spirit of the athlete, like the the heart within, you can oh you can you you always have this thing to lean back on that it doesn't matter if I'm half blind out of my right eye, I got heart. Yeah. <laughs> so which is why it's such a wonderful moment in Rocky Balboa when he says, "Don't touch me, I'm brittle." Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know it's. It, the movie, it, it, it when it has implausibilities, nine times out of ten, it addresses that head on, mm-hmm. and that's what I like about the series. Yeah, me too. It, it, if it forgets about it, it will remember it some other time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, at the top of this movie, we of course see the. Uh, the last six minutes of the last movie. And you know what's remarkable about that too? Just in that last six minutes, I mean, when Adrian's running to the ring, it's like not having watched the whole movie, it'll still make me cry. Those two together. Which is pretty remarkable in itself. But right after that, we get into the consequences of of being a professional boxer and we're at the hospital. And this scene for me is great and fascinating for several reasons. How about you? Yes. I mean, you you mentioned Halloween 4. To me, the resemblances to Halloween 2 at this point was so striking. It made yeah, me think. Yeah, I know. So in the late 70s, early 80s, did all sequels start with the main character being <laughs> driven to the, to the hospital right to the in hospital? an ambulance? <laughs> was this an established trend? Um, yeah, it, it's... Again, you know, this I said in the, in the, in the ranking episode, this is the best version of an aftermath sequel I've ever seen. And the decision mm-hmm. to to both pick up directly after the end of Rocky, but then not to do a time lapse and for us to go through the motions of him being hounded by the press at the hospital. Um, right. For him and Apollo also to be nurse. in the same hospital. Yeah. Right. And then to see him being operated on. Um, I think, I think it's, I mean, that's what, fascinates me it's also it's really good sequel writing because the press we have this early press conference that, that gives us an immediate refresher course on all the characters they're all mm-hmm. redefined in front of our eyes rocky's you know um rocky's uh gaffs apollo's right. you know um media bluster uh Mick, no sorry mickey's bluster and apollo's kind of like playing of the media savvy yeah, it's like yeah. all you need to know about those characters uh, for those, that, for those that's of one of my first notes in the past three years, which is in the pre-HS era essential, but also just good sequel writing. It's like, who are these guys? Let's let's give them give the audience a refresher course. And I did not remember that the first time brain damage is brought up is in this movie. 
It's like the first question asked by a reporter. Do you have brain damage? Brain damage. As if he'd know. The way I think about brain damage in this series is that it's that elusive <laughs> brain from... Um, there was a... Uh, there was a British TV series called Spinning Image, which was a satirical puppet series. And they used to have a recurring... It was like in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And they had a recurring sketch in which uh, a demented Ronald Reagan was chasing his brain. And it would keep appearing and then disappearing. <laughs> and he would he would go for it and it would appear in a different part of the frame. That's how I think about brain damage in this. It's... it's you can't... It, it's just when you've... Just when you put your hands on it, it, it it slides away. It's like it's right. the it's the real elephant in the room. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, a very, but it's it's it's, it's, it's always harsh, hiding in the shadows. It's a harsh <laughs> reminder of the damage that you know. You're absolutely right. Just replaying that iconic moment, that that ending of Rocky, mm-hmm. makes you feel all the same things all over again. But here you see the consequences of it and it's you know it's it's an it's uh it sort of makes you it's it knocks you back a little bit it's like well these guys are really beaten up you know brain damage operations um again smart it it speaks to the realism of where this it it would feel inauthentic if we didn't address this this damage that's yeah. been caused because that's what this they leave that about. both both fighters leave that fight in wheelchairs absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know it's but i really uh, you know we haven't talked about this but i like like this movie and stallone himself he always drew from his own yeah. life so rocky comes out and all of a sudden he's a huge star yes. and a lot of this movie is given up time to what it's like to have a sudden yeah. fame. So when you're lying in your hospital bed and you can't see through your swollen eyes and you're about to have surgery, but a nurse asks for an autograph. Yeah, yeah it's like it's the first it's it's the first sense of of that the character's moved on bet- you know, he's now a famous fighter, whereas up to this point he'd been a failed hoodlum. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting, but also in the hospital, Paulie's like, "Can I have your job? Can I have your numbers, job?" Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's a sense of like, so with the autographs on one hand, and put you know, and and re- reminder that he, you know, he's basically a loan shark. Um, it shows that he won't transcend the world he comes from, but but he's in a limbo between two two levels of society. Two. Two two class systems, yeah. and that's what this this movie is goes uh, back and forth between those things. And it's interesting to me that this was why uh, John G. Avildsen didn't want to return because he didn't want to direct scenes that involved Stallone doing commercials and and the you know the spending sprees and conspicuous consumptions. But I think he really missed the point of that completely because that's because it's. It's the logical... Yeah, and Stallone said this. It's like, we can't not have this in the movie because right. of what happened to this guy. And I think and I think as Rocky Five will demonstrate, Avildsen understands naturalism in a very Soviet way. <laughs> it's all about, yeah, right. it's about... It's about punishing the characters with financial hardship as opposed to acknowledging that, you know, you, you might get too comfortable spending money that you don't have. 
that you and don't have. And that's a more interesting story anyway, but... And it's so... Yeah, exactly. It's so much more interesting for the character because once he gets out of the hospital... Well, and also, though I, you know, the chemistry between him and Talia Shire and the two characters together is gold for the series. And it's, again, it's in that... They're great it's in together. Perf- this is a, a phrase I've just come up with, and I'm going to... I'm going to beat it into the ground like a David Letterman joke. The great thing about this movie is it's the perfect limbo. Mm-hmm. And their relationship is the is the best example of that. Like Of that. Exactly because, right. Because of what they've been through in the first movie, they're now a more o- emotionally open version of the characters we've seen before. Of the characters. But that keep... at, at least with each other. At right. least with each other. Maybe not outwardly towards the rest of the world, but to... Together they're connected, and they sh- they they will like they are going to share a life now. Right, but they're all, but they get pulled back into, um, they get pulled back into old patterns because their life mm-hmm. becomes even worse than it was when we first saw them. Right. Um, and I think that's that is uh, it's just really interesting to you know. It's it's development, but it's about going back and forth between two states of being. So it's interesting on a couple of different levels. And I think all the characters right. in this movie, bar Mickey, who is his own, and Paulie a little entity, bit, you know that they're 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 stock characters who are there for particular reasons. But in terms of Rocky and Apollo and um, Adrian, they're all be they're being pulled between. They're different identities, and mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I think what they do with Apollo in this movie is just, it, yeah. In terms of the anti-hero, you know, it's it makes me think like when 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 you realize Stallone learned how to write movies by watching movies. I think the the guy was watching like the bad and the beautiful, and he was watching really good movies. <laughs> exactly right. All right. Well, let's take our first break, and then we'll come back and we'll start diving deeper into the relationships and Apollo Creed and the rest of this movie. Right after this. If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of 3rd Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar, and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place, and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company, so will you. They turned me on to pour over, and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brew Bar. 
It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see me. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing Rocky Two, the 1979 film that Mr. Stallone directed himself. We're fans. We are in the bag for you, sir. <laughs> right, so. Oh, mercy. So, when you, when you juxtapose, and, and we both mentioned that we haven't gone back and watched the first movie, yeah. but when you juxtapose this movie with that movie, remembering that movie, like his life as a lone shark, uh, his desperation even to just get a date through Burt Young to try and see his sister uh, and juxtaposing all of that with, with this movie in which he asks her to marry him and they're building their life yeah. together and how different his life is and all the things that are in his life now and that matter to him and, yeah. and how desperately he wants to do for her. Mm-hmm. And then being confronted with the commercials and not being able to read. Yeah. It's like a masterstroke of writing to me. Like, the, like the, the two movies against each other, because both movies yeah. are very different from the, the rest of the sequels in which there's lots of montages and lots of training. And, you know, there's <laughs> just replete with shit throughout. Yeah. These movies are dramas followed by fights. Yeah, this is this is a a um a continuation with it. I mean, it's what what we would now call you know the fictional universe of of the original Rocky movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're ever. I, I mean, sequels again are are in their infancy even at this point. Sure. I think it, it is, but that's what Stallone has done, whether he intended to or not. Is is he's sort of kept the integrity of the world of the fictional world that the rocky series came from at least with this movie and extrapolated a totally original story within it which is why this is sort of one of the best sequels i've ever seen mm-hmm. uh but without putting too fine a point on any of no it, just it's, it's just, just what's feel, happening just, to the man it really he has is. money for the and, first time in his life so he wants to buy watches for his wife and his wife's saying i don't really need it he goes now come on like just this one time like you know you can have one nice the, thing and let's get one for and, Polly. You know, and she, and then she's like, well, I had one for you. How about one for He's like, yeah, okay, one for me, you know? Yeah. And it's, I really like how, you know, it's always, it's always one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. Every time he tries anything different. Um, I think that's a really interesting way to go. But uh, it's so smart, too, because like you said, Avildsen didn't want to go down this road. And, and so Stallone was smart enough to say it's essential you yeah. build up in your mind. Don't worry. We're going to have money. Yeah. I'm going to do all these commercials. And then, like... They'll fail. Oh, man. When he when he goes to film that oh. first commercial, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Actually, even before that, my, my, my sadness meter is set to 11 <laughs> in a scene which shouldn't be sad, but is, uh, which is their, their wedding. Mm-hmm. The proposal is, you know, is... is very sincere and low-key and beautiful. But the wedding is a slight different In, in a way, only Rocky could do 
if you oh it's if you wouldn't mind too much being married to me so good yeah um but when they go into the church there's that there's that really horrible echo Mm -hmm. on the sound which i think is there very purposefully to to unnerve you and then there's there's an image that every time i think of this movie this is my go-to image and that is of Mickey walking away. Me too. Me oh, too. So it makes me cry every time. And no one's doing anything melodramatic no. or sad. He's just going, uh, good luck to you both. And then he walks away and you see him walk away for an awfully, awfully long, long time. time. And he's like, I got new, go- I got some new good guys yeah. at the gym. And, and then, I just remember and then, thinking like, oh, there's no reception. Like, and, and there's not, that's there's, it. there's that's like it. two people like, they know there to see the wedding. It's just like Polly and, and Mickey and that's it. And then, and then his old boss, Gazzo. Right. Oh, Joe, you're right. You're right. Joe yeah. Spinell, Willie Cheech. Uh, <laughs> and I think goes, he I'm survives up through Rocky three, doesn't he? Isn't he? <laughs> he might be. Um, He's another Godfather crossover. Mm-hmm. So far we have two. There's more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's like, hey, put some money out on the streets. It's, you know, right. you've, got, you've, got this, you've got this cash flow now. Put it out in the streets. And not only is that sad because you're reminded of where he came from and where he might go back to. That is the be- literally the best financial heat decision he could make at that point, And he ignores right. it. So on every level, it's sad. Yeah. Because you know the com- you know at that point the commercials are not going to work out. His fame is going to dwindle quickly. It's like he wants him to put his money in condominiums. It's like he's basically like <laughs> that's, that's such a, a great that's joke. What a legitimate financial advisor would tell right. him. Probably you know like with the guy who's offering him a air quote standard deal. Right. Yeah. 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 Is the is the gangster and Gazza's like the guy who's like put your money in property. You can't fail. Mm-hmm. Smart, but also very, very sad. And oh, and also, you know, the way that he overspends, you know, it, it has you, you can tell it's reckless. You can tell uh, it feels realistic that he would just suddenly start overspending like that. But you also know it's reckless. Um, and that's what Avildsen missed. He missed the fact that everything is tinged with this economic irresponsibility that means he's going to end up in a worse place than he was socially and economically than he was before his fight even. And well, and then, and then you go into what Rocky isn't qualified to do territory, <laughs> you know, and it might linger in this yes. vein yeah, too, too, too long. But, um, I mean, you really get a sense of how somebody is backed into a corner when they're, going to a bank and the bank saying we can't loan to you and you're going here and they're saying I don't have a job for you and then you go to another place and they're saying you're not you, you don't have enough education to do this but what about this and but it, I mean it, this this uh, there's this such is, you know, genuine we, heartache in it Tom like I mean and it's also genuine in and you know in a way that where you're not actually you're not actually aligned with the characters then you know it, again <laughs> Again, you know, we're just under the wire of in a, a seventies movie. Yeah, right. And the seventies movie bit for me is how how unlikable Stallone is when he's in his reckless spending yeah. playing that character. You know, he's classic seventies antihero, cocky. He's wearing that awful Assured, tiger jacket. Tiger jacket. He's sort of become right. a little bit of a misogynist as well. 
it's not a sympathetic look on him. And at least at this point in the series, you know, Stallone has no problem in in showing in a in a plausible way. And this is where it's you know it avoids the pitfalls of Tommy Gunn. Yeah, yeah like, right. You know, a fighter gets you know pull, pulls off a, an amazing coup against a against an opponent and what that confidence turns into when it's combined with being you know having the means to to spend it's fantastic and even even the the structure of the way that the commercial keeps getting put off like he was saying oh no i got these commercials it's going to be fine and because it's written that way you know the commercials are going to die yeah right 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 you see it, you'll know it. this will not be successful because we're being it's being built up to a point where it cannot be successful. Where it can't work. Because he's literally putting all his eggs in that right. basket and that basket's gonna crash and you're gonna get egg everywhere. Um But what's remarkable is you you can see that coming and yet it's even worse than you oh, imagined, yes. you know? And also because it's tied up with that meta element of the movie, which really comes to the fore when he does the commercials. Um, part of it, you know, is is like a satire of what people in, you know, sports people in fame have to go through, the kind of indignity of having to sure. dress up as a caveman. or um, But he has to reenact the fight mm-hmm. with a fake crowd and a cartoon prosthetic. And to me, that's just as much about where Rocky Rocky's life, what has become of Rocky's life, as it is about being in a sequel that's falling short of the original. Yeah. Like it's so beautifully done. Um, and then exactly as you described, you know, we see him falling back through society. Yeah. He goes from fame to white collar work to blue collar work to, like, a sub level of blue collar work to like a and a place that is imbibed with the imagery of him rising to success yeah exactly except now he's on except now he's back going back down which and second imbas yeah sequel inversion Inversion. he's back in the abattoir but it's not a training montage this time he's just working he's just working and and there's repeated scenes um and he punches the meat at one point, yeah, right. just as the as the shot ends. So it's like that's obviously the parallel that's being made, yeah, and, and rightly so. But and he's smart because you also see the oh, just the the banality of of his work, like like what he has to do, and he and it's all the same every day and over and over. But he, yeah. as a character, he's willing to do all of that for his wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he he wants that job when he's let go. He's like, but I I'm doing good. Aren't I doing good? And then, well, I mean, yeah, he, and then he gets canned from a terrible job. Yeah, exactly. Which is like in, indignity. It's not. Well, it's indignity of undignity in pun indignity for the character. But it's also about like an identification with, you know, working Americans. Right. Which at this point in the series, when Stallone's getting a little bit of fame and it's actually it's actually interesting that that he's pitching it at this level um and then you know when he gets fired he says it was economics yeah and stallone is not a political filmmaker by any stretch at least not at this point um or not you know not in a a liberal way but sure 
he's referring to things that are going on in America, socially and economically. And certainly not sweeping them under the the meat carcass. <laughs> right. You know? Like, it, it's... That's what really kind of struck me. It's like, you know, it's not, oh, you know, the foreman had it in for me. Or he just says, it was economics. People get fired all the time. Yeah. And if you're, if you're like, I mean, 79, it's a bleak time. Yeah, it's not, you know, right. Fuel crisis, unemployment rising. It's going to get worse, but nobody knows that not, then. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, to have this movie out there, which is sort of saying, you know, look at this, this guy, you know, this was, this is the... This hero, this guy who's like physically superior, you know, has all the determination in the world. He can still, he can still sink to this level. It's an amazing statement and and a really powerful part of the of the movie. Um, yeah, and I think it's but so it's common. Like, I mean, we're both actors, and we hear those stories all the time. Yeah, of an actor who. Whatever, Jamie Lee Curtis does Halloween and it's, you know, this big movie. And I'm not saying that this did happen, but on that level. So she's in Halloween, but it's like months before Halloween comes out. She's she's right. waiting tables or doing it. You know, there's actors yeah. who are like, you know, back to their regular jobs. And even after well, the I mean, movie comes a... out, you're auditioning. You can't get work and you're back to your regular job, you know. Yeah, and at and that point, less... having people... You know, ask you, hey, weren't you in that thing? Weren't you uh, that yeah. fighter that did that thing? But it's a lesson that we obviously haven't learned because, you know, only a couple of years ago, um, it was the the incident with the, the Cosby Show actor, Jeffrey something. Yeah, right. Working in Trader Joe's. And sorry, I said Jeffrey something, but um, working, you know, being snapped working in Trader Joe's by a, I'll say journalist for want of a, you know, a better, a better. I'm not sure it was. I think it was just somebody who was at Trader Joe's. <laughs> no, I think it was like a like a TMZ vulture. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Or at least that was how it got written up. And you know, job shaming him, and he had to go on TV and say, "Look, it's a big, um, it's a big amount of time between gigs. Yeah. I got to get a job. I, you know, a job that's casual, but also." Um, you know, gives me money, and and I don't want a permanent job because then people won't employ me as an actor. It's so, it's it's remarkable to see. Then and it's clearly something we still have to see now in order to understand. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is, um, sad. No, but there's also in parallel. In parallel, there's uh. So much going on in Creed's side of the movie. Oh, man. Does he have, like, some great scenes? That scene of the meeting? Well, I think, to, to me, it's it's really interesting because he plays the role of the antagonist, but it's written in such a way that we understand why, why he's he doing it. to be the antagonist. Right. Like, I mean, we, we skipped one of my favorite moments in the movie, which is... Uh, I mean, beautifully acted between both. It's in, it's all the way back in the hospital. When he comes when, out in the wheelchair? And I'd forgotten about this scene as well mm -hmm. for some reason. Yeah, Rocky cut just, just, you know, away from the media, comes up to Apollo Creed. It's like, oh, yeah. Did you, did you try? Like, did, did you, you give me your, your best? And he just gives, and he's very low key, like, yeah. And, 
And he's like, yeah, bye. And yeah, it's just like, door. thanks, Apollo, bye. <laughs> but it's like, this This is something we do lose as the sequels go on up to a point, at least up to Rocky Balboa, as we stop identifying with Rocky's opponents as human beings. Right. In the same way. And I love that, you know, away from the media, when it's just the two of them, there's an acknowledgement of like, you know, I fucked, I fucked up and you did really well. Yeah, and right. I just think it's lovely, and but every, in every aspect of the way that Creed is written in in the movie, there's a detachment. You know, they even say to him, "You're setting yourself up as the bad guy." Yeah, right, right, right. right. Um, so you know, and at the press conference, we get the sense of like he's he's a good person who's uncomfortable with having to do that, but he feels he has no choice. He feels like he's in a corner. He's getting all this hate mail. You know, people are even casting aspersions on him as a, you know, as an African-American. Right. And what that means. And so for like putting all that on him is really important because otherwise he's, you know, he's just this he he's just shaming. He's just publicly shaming Rocky into a into a bow, yeah. you know, and it's a, not a good look on him. But we always know that what's behind it is. Is. Um, well, and that feels so. He, it's not because he's a. I don't know if the series at this point ever wants him to be anything more than an antagonist, but it's written in a I way. I was going to say though, but it's smart. Yeah, but like, exactly. So it's you it's, never. It's you a, never he's given a courtesy you don't really get in. It's certainly in three, four. Yeah, and that's what's so smart about it, because it humanizes him so well. Without again, without putting too fine a point on it, right. it's just like it's a it's a look here or a gesture there. Um, the way he reacts at the press conference, he's like, you know, when he sees how nice Rocky's being about everything, and he's just got a kid, and he's talking about the Muppet toy for yeah. his kid. You can <laughs> see his discomfort. Like, God, I really shouldn't be doing this to someone who's so genuine. Yeah, exactly. But but he's like, no, got to do it. This, you know, I my career cannot take this beating. I cannot take, well, I mean, it's, that's the interesting thing. Like the indignity works both ways, you know, he's not going through it economically, but people are casting aspersions on him racially, professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he knows he fucked up too. I mean, he knows he, he didn't give the guy, he gave the guy short shrift and all those things. To have all those things, but it's so and what I love, what I love about this movie is it's uh, it's so economic, yeah, in how it's able to frame where Rocky is and where Carl, where Creed is, and and that their needs and their wants in the first movie. What's that? That all comes from what happened in the first movie, right? It's the thing that never fails to amaze me. None of it is. Not uh, all of it is an extrapolation. Absolutely. Which, you know, could be a stick to beat this movie with (laughs) because it's so dependent on the original movie. But I I don't think of it as dependence. I think of it as as a genuine continuation. Well, I love uh, I think I referenced it, but I love this scene in which all the all, you know his team is talking to him and and <laughs> Tony Burton uh uh yeah just like the unsung hero of this entire series for me 
But he has and this amazing got... speech where he's saying, yeah. this is the kind of man he is, and he's, this is the kind of man we don't want. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. But, you, I mean, you, you what's... I mean, it's it's such a small part in this movie, but even this minor character is, is given this dilemma, really. It's like, am I here to stroke Creed's ego, or am I here to tell him that he's making a mistake? Yeah. And eventually he goes with, I'm just going to stroke his ego, mm-hmm. and it's the wrong thing to do. Right. Um, but he also tries to warn, he also tries to give him a plan to beat Rocky that, that Apollo doesn't follow. So in the end, it's Apollo's fault for failing. Just, I mean, that's all character based. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about it. But also what's great about that is it's, it's, it goes above and beyond the call of duty. There are moments in this movie when the two of them are fighting. It's like, you know, I don't really care what's going on story-wise. I'm watching these two incredible specimens oh, going at I kept it in thinking, real time. I kept thinking about these two fighters in real life, and if they had fought these two fights, they would be two of the most famous fights in the history of the sport. I mean, up Within there a year with... of each other. Oh, man. Up there with Thrill in Manila, like... Anything that Ali did, like, that's how famous these two fights would be. But it's it's great because, you know, I do think that I do think it's slightly kind of it's slightly fantastical and romantic that these two that these fights are taking place like within a year of each other. Yeah. Um, But the alternative is that you have a big time lapse and this movie doesn't roll that way. You know. We we have time lapses, but I was going to say time lapses like, in this movie, but in it, increments yeah, it, and and in in, incre- in increments and and it, it feel you know you don't feel like you're missing too much. You don't think like skipping over everything. Right. Just enough time for all these events to take place, and that is something that, as we've seen, a lot of these aftermath sequels seem to refuse to do. Yeah, you know they they like to going back to Karate Kid Part 2, it's like, pick up immediately afterwards right. in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> and then immediately have a six-month time lapse or a year or whatever it is. I mean, it's it's disingenuous. Whereas here, it shows that you you can do it. And, you know, I suppose the opposite pole is Halloween 2, which is, you know, probably shouldn't have just been that night. one night. Yeah. Here's the perfect sweet spot between those two. It's like we go about a year ahead. I'm telling you. And it all happens in what feels like real time. Not any longer a secret, smart person. Uh, let's take another break, and then we'll come back. Sure. How about that? All right, we're going to... And then we're going to chase some chickens. Yeah, we are. It's time, it's, it's time to, to get back in the mix and get back in the ring right after this. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out To A T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. To A T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back once again, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing Rocky II, the first of the Rocky sequels. And uh, damn near the top of your list. And if not for pesky Rocky IV, <laughs> would be near the top of my list as well. <laughs> yeah. If it weren't for the surprising success of Rocky Balboa, this would top. Pretty much any list yeah. of sequels. Uh, there is, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't talk about this yet. But the the last sort of uh, menial job that Rocky takes is actually working back with Mickey at the gym, and yeah. they have a scene before that in which you know Mickey slaps the shit out of him. Yeah. Uh, trying to show him that his right eye isn't good. And what I really liked about that scene, if you remember, I thought it was a great counterpoint to the first Rocky in which Mickey kind of hat in hand says, hey, kid, I want to help you. I want to I want to train you for this fight. You got this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he's like punching the door. And, oh, do you care about me now? And go fuck yourself. And, the, and, and uh, you know, he just sets him off. Mm-hmm. And to see how far they've come, but they're having almost the same kind of con- or not yeah. the same conversation but a, a a a conversation in kind that's similar. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a great inversion. It's such a great inversion. It feels so carefully and again, crafted. And again, you know, he Stallone is is not afraid to put himself in a in a screenwriting corner. Yeah. Because Mickey is so vociferous in you can't fight. You're basically blind. Right. I'm an old man and I can, you know, I, yeah. I, I can beat and you And you up. didn't see me coming. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, he's the one who's. I think we ought to knock his block off. <laughs> yeah. So, but again, you know, the, the, the movie, the movie takes these inconsistencies head on and makes them work. So, it's admirable that that Stallone doesn't take the easy way out and have Mickey his cheerleader for the whole mm-hmm. for the whole movie. Um, and it makes sense within Mickey's character that you know he he, he just can't take it that Creed is out there casting just yeah casting aspersions and bad mouthing his guy. Exactly, I'm not yeah. putting up with that shit. But, but and also the other way he deals with it is that he makes that. You know, even though Stallone, even though Rocky has spared the indignity of of having to empty spit buckets at the gym, he's gonna make him chase chickens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he's gonna make he's he's gonna bring him right back down to earth and not let him act like a guy who, you know, nearly took the title away from the champion. Right. Um, and that's I, the chicken chasing scene. To me, is two actors at the height of their comic powers. <laughs> A, 
everything about that scene is is perfectly executed. And yet it it, it doesn't feel like a comedic scene. No. And there is a moment the, in Rocky Three uh, when they're about to race on the beach and you know Stallone, Brocky has this line. He's like, Mickey never made me do anything like this. I <laughs> desperately wanted Apollo Creed to say, didn't I hear he made you chase a chicken once? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Would have made me so happy. Yeah. Oh, that's great. But it's, uh, it's a, we also have, we, you know, within the frame of the narrative, we have this hook, one that doesn't exist in Rocky Four, I might add, but... Uh, the the hook, you know, not only is is has Adrian, she's given birth to their son. Rocky won't even see the son until they can see them together. Yeah, that's a little bit weird. And that to me was very strange. It's like the one thing in this movie that makes me go, yep. no, you go see your son. But my exact no- my exact note. I know it's premature and the mother's in a coma, but it's weird. We're focusing on literally all but the newborn baby. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I have problems but, with that, but yeah. there's this hook of, uh, you know, Rocky Rocky is working out for the fight, but he just can't, he can't focus, yeah. he's not into it. Again, it's a pretty serious corner that he's written himself Yeah, exactly. Into. Because you need, you need Adrian to both wake up from her coma and then agree to let him fight. Fight. And the movie spends a lot of time on it because that's a central thing. She wants him to retire. She doesn't want him to get hurt. And you know, it, it's where I had problems with exactly the same aspects of this. Yeah. What I didn't have a problem with was her going into a coma. It was a very, a very abrupt but very deliberate gear shift into melodrama. Oh yeah, like yeah, I have no problem. It felt with very it. old Hollywood even contemporary soap opera. Yeah. Um but that's as the movie goes on, that's more the tone that we're dealing with, I think. And again, it's one of the ways in which this this movie gives us a different experience from the original Rocky. Everything sort of softens up a little bit, gets a little more romantic. Right. And I I actually ended up appreciating that side of the movie because it takes a lot longer for Rocky to get there. Right. You know, I'm always shocked going back to Rocky how bleak it is for how long yeah, right. into the movie. Yeah. And I feel like this movie is sort of, it's it trying to, to match that, I think. Second half. Yeah, right. Um, because you know, this is like this is the doldrums of the story. This is as bad as it gets. Um, and then Mickey goes apeshit in the chapel, and Adrian wakes yeah. up almost immediately. Right. Um, I think my Rocky note was the, the to read and write, which the, is again like a little house on the prairie right. kind of thing going on there. I have a note here that says the power of uh, poetry. Yeah, yeah. Secret smart guy, right? You know, <laughs> pulls that shit in the middle of you know in the middle of a boxing movie, um, and you know she says win, and she says it and, again. Yeah, win, and again. Everyone's character motivations in this movie reverse yeah. 360, and somehow this movie makes it work. Right, <laughs> exactly. Firstly, because, what motivation firstly because is there? it feels good. 
It feels really yeah. good. At that, that moment feels really good. And then Mickey gives his, you know, famous, what are we waiting for? Take which us. is such... No, no. Then ushers poorly to get the fucking car. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> That's amazing. His... his Mer- Burgess Meredith's line delivery and timing is almost unmatched in any actor I've ever I seen. know. I think about him as the penguin in Grumpy Old Grumpy Men old in men. Twilight Zone. Oh, um, and then you know, we're it's montage time. Yeah, and I mean you're you're gonna get the just the 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 and we are upping the ante with this montage. Right, the moment she says "win" and Mickey says, "What are we waiting for? <laughs> Take us!" But it struck me like, <laughs> and we have yeah. the horns mm. start in. Like, we're off to the races. We're off to the races, and I think, you know, there's obviously, like, there's, there's a there's a doubling down on... There's an acknowledgement that this this was the high point of last... Of the high feel-good factor of the last movie. Let's, let's double down on this. But, you know, it's not... A, I think maybe the later movies kind of think it's the montages that are special. Yeah. What's special is practically physically what we're seeing Stallone do here. Right. And this is as good as, if not occasionally better than the original movie. Yeah. Um, in terms of what we're seeing him physically do. do. Yes, physically do. Uh when that when that trainer is slapping his belly. Yeah. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and in the middle of that we you know, in the middle of all this we see Rocky feed and uh, put down Rocky Jr., which is a very sweet moment. It's progressive, you know, seeing a father doing a maternal role in 1979. Mm -hmm. You don't see this a lot. Unfortunately, that baby's going to (laughs) die because he has too many blankets on (laughs) But again, they probably didn't know that in 1979. They they had not yet learned that you can't waddle it in 17 blankets <laughs> and when when we get because you know obviously they're trading off people's memory of him running of the kind of silhouette running in in the original mm-hmm. rocky but they go for a bigger scope more feel good oh boy the kids following him it's through the town like it's like dripping with goo that one it, that, this is the bit that feels like a musical to yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. Like it feels like they're about to break out into song when they get right. to the top of the steps. Because you know, kids and, from fame. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> the kids. But it's so hard to dislike. Exactly, because I kept I have notes that that were like, so these these kids. By the way, uh, I read a thing that said. In the first Rocky, they kind of put together the the landmarks of the city, mm-hmm. and that it shows that he must have run in the neighborhood of thirty point two miles <laughs> for to get to the top of the steps. Uh, and it's all I could think about was you know these kids latch like the first group of kids latch on pretty early. Yeah, <laughs> and just the idea of them like you know. Sticking with a professional athlete for at least, let's say, 10 yeah, some miles. Some of those kids would die. Yeah, exactly. At this point, Rocky is <laughs> And they're just happy. Kids they're just total. happy. Like, here we go. That's it. It's, it's utopianism. It's, yeah, it's, it's, melodrama. it's so it's... melodramatic. It's, but, but the thing, I but think, it's to me, not the that distinct... it doesn't work. 
you're but that also the distinction is even if obviously we're cutting around the, the kids are not running these ridiculous distances yeah. but stallone is mm-hmm. and the shots prove to us that he's doing this in real time it's the fact that he's bringing it in real time that makes this so amazing right and you can put whatever sappy cheesy you know, musical-like sequence around it, you're still watching this guy. I mean, that moment in the original movie where he just ke- he keeps getting faster and faster. Yeah. And I remember the, pe- like the people who were filming that scene saying, we could not believe how fast he got. And I'm pretty like, sure I'm believe. right about this. The, the, the other remarkable thing about that first movie is, uh, I want to say, just with, like, pipes, like you know, plastic piping, they, yeah. they invented the first Steadicam. Oh, yeah, that's it. To, that's true, yeah. To create that whole thing. Yeah. That, that'll come up again in the in the credit check. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, then we're, we're into the fight. I mean, the, obviously, the, the... And again, you get this in all the montages. The I do like... Bef- before we get to the free. fight, I do like that... Uh, Oh, uh, there was a reason. There was a reason that maybe. Oh, I think it was because maybe she was filming something else, Talia Shire. But yeah. it was like they felt like they had to bend over backwards for her to not be at the fight because there's like two or three times where Rocky says, "Man, I wish you could be there at the fight." <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's good bending over backwards though because I, it, yeah, it, it does, I don't think it, it makes for a different experience. Yes. Yeah. That he she's at home with Paulie. Yeah. Um And it makes make, narrative make, sense. Probably one of my minor disappointments in, in well, not minor disappointment, but it is in retrospect, is is the underuse of Paulie maybe in this movie. Mm. I don't think they know quite what they had yet. Um he's just kind of floating around, you don't really know what his role is in the movie. I mean I, I never think he should be one of the trainers. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but I I kind of like that they found something else for him to do because he's kind of floating around this movie. It's like, yeah, we know we want this guy in the movie, but we don't. But really we don't know what to do, what to do with him. him. Yeah, you're you're um, not wrong. Everyone else feels like they have more of a um, more of a purpose. I find that cross cutting between Rocky and Creed really interesting mm-hmm. because there are distinctions but also similarities. So you know, we see the fact that Creed is surrounded by his scared looking wife and a bunch of yes men. Mm-hmm. And Rocky has the support of his family, of the community. Yeah. But when they're training, when you see them, when you cut between them training, they're still both alone. Yeah. They're both isolated. They're cut off in different ways that like purposely cut themselves off. And Creed has cut himself off from from life. Right. From the things that matter. Um, and yeah, and at this point, it's, it's fight and... Not a thing wrong with this sequence yeah, I, again. I know. I mean, it's just brilliant. And also, I, I, like, it starts so... off with brilliant, uh, amazing jokes. There's nothing I like more than Apollo entering the ring or starting to walk towards the ring. And Rocky says, it's Apollo. And Mickey says, who'd you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping is... he wouldn't show. <laughs> and they have a great moment as well where they where they comment on the... Um, how better, how how much better the robes are this year? Yeah, 
which is a great i mean it, it feels like a real moment but it's also a meta moment of hey remember when we had a like no budget mm-hmm. we had to make a movie and now we have money right yeah exactly <laughs> And you know those. You'll know more about the commentators than than I do, but I assume these two guys are real life. Yeah, what's his name is for sure. Uh, Stu Nathan. Stu Nathan. Yeah. Um. If not, they're the two best actors that have ever walked. But they do that a lot. I mean, there's like you know, even in Rocky Five. Yeah. There's plenty of real reporters asking questions, that kind of thing. But that's the. Um, I mean, that's the great thing is. You know how legitimate the boxing match feels, except for the very down... end. But yeah, but even the even the idea that you film it from the same angle you'd see it on TV, yeah, makes a huge somehow makes a huge diff. The commentators patter as well because I assume you have to write the Stallone had to sit down and, and imagine what boxing commentators would say about Rocky and Creed, right. And to me, that seems like exactly what they'd say, sure. right down to like anywhere in the civilized world, and you know these kind of phrases that feel again feels like someone who's who who goes you know. I feel that about all the movies, things. though. Yeah, like he, and then writes and then writes yeah. down and then and then comes up with a fictional version of it. Um, they have again the way that they keep everything going in real time is just sublime, but they also know when to edit and do montage within the, well, that's a, that's a huge strength of like, it's a, it's a conceit within the series that they do (laughs) for every movie except Rocky five, but, uh, there's no boxing in in that movie. And you heard that right. Everyone it never doesn't work. No, Never does. It's so true. Yeah. But this, I guess, if this, if it didn't work here, it might. And never he's work always again. drawing from real life fights. Too. Clearly, even in Rocky Balboa, yeah. he's drawing on real life virtual fights. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. true. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> he's drawing on the Muhammad, Muhammad Ali Marciano computer fight. Yeah. <laughs> so what? What are the fights that are? Um, this one I think is Billy Kahn versus Joe Lewis. The, and did did it end with them both falling over? No, that's the thing. That, so that's the thing that's that's the only thing about this movie that doesn't work. Like it's such a it's like it's such a sequel extravagance. Yes. Where like you know the first oh the, that's such a good time. yeah we're gonna reuse yeah that. sequel extravagance. <laughs> um, you have to one up the last fight, even though the last fight it's not like it ended on a knockout or anything. Like they both were still standing, uh, and Stallone had to go for what's the most dramatic thing that could happen, yeah. and it's like both both fighters trying to get up off the mat, you know, as as the ref is counting. In actuality, though. He knocked Apollo Creed out. What he did would be counted as a slip. Uh-huh. Even if he was still on the mat at 10, he'd be the champion. It's incumbent upon Apollo to get up because he's the one that was hit. But within the guise of the movie, of course it works. <laughs> like, But that's interesting because I'm really glad you said that because, you know, I know shit all about boxing. Uh-huh. 
but I, this is the note. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you verbatim the note I gave just to prove to you that I'm not influenced by anything you just Very said. Very good. The duel falls and slow motion is a silly way to end things. It makes the victory seem more arbitrary than it should. Uh, Which is essentially what you just said, yeah. right? Um, so I'm glad that I can still. Well, and I think that's that also why Balboa the... is at the top of our list because doesn't do that. Well, it, it Rocky and Rocky Balboa both feel. I don't want to say that the fight is an afterthought, but it's not the be all and end all. Right. I think the, well, that's the what that's what that's put... why those two movies work the best is because it's yeah. not just about the fight. Yeah. It's about something else. Rocky, it, he just but, wants to go the distance with the champ. Rocky Balboa, I, he just wants to rid himself of his own demons. Yeah, he doesn't even doesn't even stay in the ring when they're no, giving the decision. No, he could care less. <laughs> the most brilliant end. So anyway, great. We'll talk about that. But, yeah, we'll, about we'll, that. <laughs> but it is the most glorious thing I've ever seen in a sports movie. Um, what I do like about it, and you're right, it does work in the guise of the movie, is again, it's an inversion. Right. The last movie was... Um, failure in air quotes of course it wasn't right. but you know like this is success you know this is like a te- it's te- again it seems like more of a technicality than it should yeah but it gives you a more feel good experience than the original so it's a, it's an inversion with a purpose mm-hmm. um, I do th- I do think it takes a little bit away from the first fight though because you have to see that as a failure to see this as a success where it said they're both I personally don't think you have to no you don't have to but the the movie kind of makes you I don't think so not for me okay Um, but I think that's because of you know when I look at Rocky I see it as as the film that it is and and like we already discussed, it's irrelevant if he wins. Uh, but that I don't think it is in this movie. I think it re- it matters maybe a little too much. Well, it's part of his redemption. Like if if it doesn't happen, it's a problem. And that's why Balboa and Rocky are the best movies because the outcome is it doesn't. No, matter. that I agree with completely. I, yeah. I was just that's I was I'm trying saying. to think like what would happen if he didn't win this fight? He'd kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, I mean, but because you could, you know, Rocky three could have been the third fight. There's yeah. so many different things because you're involving in a real life sport. And because I grew up playing sports and like followed boxing and, you know. Yeah. To me, it's it's this movie is the a logical next thing to happen in the sport. Oh, absolutely. So don't disagree with that at all. So and that to me doesn't make Rocky the first movie wane in any way. Okay. Um. I like that you get some something here that that leads to bad things, but is actually good mm-hmm. right now. Uh, the idea of psycho sound, and again, it's one yeah. of the things that distinguishes the fight scenes from just being like TV sports coverage. Is that 
he introduces the the kind of psycho sound of a baby crying and um you know this kind of experiential sound yes. you're kind of hearing what the fighters are hearing with their you know with their punched ears and yeah you know what their concussion hears and it's part of the um, the the war song it's part of the it's built yeah. into the the fabric of the sound you know the 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 orchestral score and yeah. the editing and the directing and the you know the shot selection it's all it's all built in as part of it and and this is the amazing part it's pre-raging bull yeah which wields the same technique as if it's the first time it's ever happened right so it's very impressive the other thing that's this almost goes without saying but the fact that that Creed's character arc continues into the ring. Mm-hmm. The fact they make the decision for him to have a plan that will mean he probably beats Rocky. Yeah. And for him to go against that plan because of his own vanity. Right. And his, you know, his belief that his way is the only way. You know, from what we've seen. He has the, movie, the match one. <laughs> yeah. And he's not following the plan and and that's why, you know, the stakes are more interesting than simply, uh, you know, two equally matched fighters, one who is actually much better than the other yeah. in abstract. It gets, it's just more interesting than that. Well, uh, credit check or? Yeah. Um, really more of a Frank Stallone watch than <laughs> credit check. But... We did not, we forgot to mention his, his trash can singing. The trash can singers, which I I um, I uh, I labeled as what did I label them as? The garbage can jukebox jamboree. Right. <laughs> uh, I think there must have been a conversation in which Frank said, "Sylvester, what can I do in this movie? Please let me and do something said, in this movie. Go over and go over and stand there by that trash yeah. can." Um. <laughs> So Frank Stallone, he gets original songs on the soundtrack. Won't be the last time nope. we'll see him in the credits. Philadelphia gets its own credit. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that this is a giant Hollywood franchise that takes its character from an from a single city. Right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That like the character of the series is is Philadelphia. Anyway. <laughs> um lots of there's lots of additional specialist directors, people uh, who just do the boxing scenes. Um, some of the giants of makeup. I forget the names, but some of the biggest makeup artists mm. in Hollywood are working on this movie. And also, you know, the leading names in Steadicam technology. It's really interesting. You said that Rocky invented the Steadicam. Yeah. Because here they they reuse it. Um a lot of big technical hitters on this movie. And then finally, you know, we'll see at the end of the movie a dedication that's in all of these yeah, movies. Yeah, for every single to one. Jane Oliver, who was Stallone's personal manager pre pre the first Rocky and died young. Um, and she was, uh, to all accounts, um, Stallone's Mickey. Yeah, so right, exactly. That in the movie that has the most Mickey in it, uh, she's uh, she's... You know, this is where we get. She gets her first tribute. That's all I have. Lovely, exceptional movie. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Like so many of these movies in the series, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, coming up next, Halloween, Halloween three. Sorry, I guess I was conflating them just kind of just is. because of uh, as far as Matt Aldridge, Matt Aldridge's anger is. and angst over them. <laughs> so we're gonna upset them as we uh, unabashedly adore Rocky three coming up next. And would it be a surprise to anyone if we just did Halloween three <laughs> at this point? <laughs> Halloween, th- we got to do it at least three times, don't we? <laughs> You were just playing the odds by saying Halloween 3. It's like, I forgot what we're doing next. It's probably Halloween 3. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you have something to add about Rocky 2, you have to let us know. Find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here. I'm from the How Dare You Award. Say goodbye to the good people, Tom. Speed is what we need. We need greasy, fast speed. I don't like the way he says greasy. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like the way he reuse. He's talking. He relates it to his uh, to his ethnicity. Yeah, Later yeah, on yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. <laughs> oh, God damn it, Mickey. Uh, all right. Until next time, everyone. Rocky Three coming up next.